If you have your Bibles, would you turn it open to Romans chapter 6 for a moment? I'm going to give you a big picture overview of this chapter. Romans chapter 6. In uh, preparation for the uh, baptism that will be at the end of the service, I have been reading this particular chapter all week long. And I noticed a pattern in it. And you're going to notice three sets of questions. In the beginning of chapter 6, verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? Uh, Paul answers, God forbid. And then in verse 3, he says, Know ye not. Okay? And then I want to just skip down to verse 15. And it says right there, What then shall we sin? Paul says, God forbid. And then verse 16, he says, Know ye not. And then you go over to verse 21, it says, What fruit had you then in those things which you are now ashamed? He's talking about the sin. And then you go down to chapter 7, verse 1, and he says, Know ye not. What happens is, at the end of chapter 5, we are introduced to federal headship. Federal headship is a fancy word that means Adam did something to you. You had no input into it and caused a curse on you. But the good news is Jesus Christ in like manner did something to you. No input from you and he solved and he remedied the problem. So at the end of chapter 5 in verse 17, 18, 19, and 20, it says Adam did this, but Jesus did this. Adam did this. But Jesus did this. So in the beginning of chapter 6, we get the thing everybody asks when they hear grace. So then that means we can live like the devil and it won't matter. Amen? Have you ever heard that? Hope and I had that conversation yesterday as we were making sack lunches for y'all today. He was talking about that very thing. What do you say? Well, chapter 6 deals with it. And that's the subject I have in mind. So we will get into chapter 6 and answer that. Paul's going to give three answers why we don't sin like the devil. Okay? These are good answers. You may want to tuck them away. But as I go forward now, I'm going to introduce a subject to you. I want to talk to you about memorials. Last Monday was Memorial Day, right? That means there is something we set a day aside to remember something. Okay? In our nation, we have memorials all over this country. They come in the forms of days, observances. They come in the form of buildings. They come in the form of rocks. They come in the form of flags or pledges of allegiance or different things like that. We've got memorials, all this to remind us of past deliverances of a great God. Well, the Old Testament is full of memorials too. And he's got piles of rocks everywhere and they come in all different sizes and forms. They come in heaps of rocks. They come in a temple. They come in once a year observances. They come in uh, uh, commandments like uh, circumcision. There's other things that you do of other deliverances and feasts. There's all kinds of memorials in the Old Testament. And then we come to the New Testament and we also have some memorials. And we're going to observe one of those memorials at the end of service. It's called a baptism. We don't have a pile of rocks but we have this thing called baptism. And we're going to see what are memorials for and how can memorials be defamed. When someone comes forward and enters the waters of baptism, they're making a proclamation 
that I am burying that old man and he's gone. And when I come up out of the water, I'm going to do my best to walk as a new man and follow Christ. That's a statement. And our bodies are a living memorial to that statement. And when we go out and we live like the devil, we are like the Lincoln Monument when graffiti was sprayed all over it. That's exactly what's going on, and that's exactly what Paul's saying in Romans chapter 6. What are the purposes of memorials? Number one, memorials help us from forgetting history. Okay? Number two, they help record individuals and document events. And number three, they connect us both to the past and the future. Why do people defame memorials? Well, one reason why they do is some people believe that certain memorials do not communicate reconciliatory messages. Others are unable to regulate negative emotions. Those are adolescence or mob mentality. And others are fueled by contempt and they desire to uproot their past. So when we see things going on in our nation and we see memorials and things being tore up or teared down or spray painted or, or mocked or whatever it is, usually that's going on. Well, the question is, if that can go on in our country, can we do that to God? Has God's people ever done that to his memorials? Got it? So this is not a political message. I'm just using that to introduce it. So if you can think of the Lincoln Memorial with spray paint all over it, you go, that's terrible. Well, what happens with God's memorial when we do certain behaviors? You know what? That's terrible. Okay? So let's go forward. And right here... What was the purpose of God's Old Testament memorials? Okay, first of all, God wanted his people to remember his greatness. And it usually marked a deliverance or a promise. Let me give you an example. This is Joshua 4, 20 through 22. Okay? This is when they were coming through um, the promised land. I'm sorry, they were coming into the promised land. They left the wilderness after 40 years. They're entering in. Notice what it says. And those 12 stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in the time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over the Jordan on dry land. Okay? So they, they, they walk through the Jordan, kind of like a Red Sea, where the, the water just piled up. And they come through on dry ground and they get to the other side. What they did is in the middle of that river, they picked up 12 stones and they put this pile of rocks and they did it in Gilgal and they stacked them somehow where it was someplace pretty noticeable. And you say, why did God do that? Well, the reason why he did that is one day old Grandpa Dolph is going to be walking by with one of his grandsons or his granddaughter and he's going to walk by and, hey, Grandpa, what are those rocks for? And it'll be, let me tell you a story. When Israel came through, that's what the memorial's for. It's a teaching opportunity to tell of a great deliverances in the past. That's what they were for. That's kind of like what we have them in our country. That's what we have them now. And we actually have a couple of those in the New Testament, but we'll save that. Not let me have it too far ahead. So it's to remind people of God's greatness. It's to create opportunities for one generation to teach another generation. Okay. Let me read Joshua 7, 24 through 26. 
Joshua and all Israel took Achan, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons and the daughters, his oxen, his assen, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. All Israel stoned with him stone, stoned him with stones and burned him with fire. After that, they stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. You think, I don't think I like that memorial. I don't, especially if I was Achan or his family, right? But there was a sin he did. I don't want to preach that sermon. But basically, they took the corpses and it was a monument. It was a cemetery. It was a a, a sepulcher. And they piled them up and they said, don't you touch that pile of rocks. We want that there. So when dad is walking by with grandpa, grandpa's walking by with his grandson or a granddaughter, and he says, hey, grandpa, what's that palace? Let me tell you this one family that defied God. And when he defied God, it caused them a, a loss in a battle, and thousands of soldiers lost their lives. Oh, God can be pretty serious sometimes, huh? Yeah, that's kind of a story we need to know about God. He's not always a smile, you love you, but he's also, <coughs> I demand justice, okay? All right. What forms do Old Testament memorials take? This is just a little review. Well, some of them are piles of stones. Sometimes they're monuments. Sometimes they're graves. Sometimes they're altars. Sometimes they're ruins. Some are once a year observances like Passovers and all those seven feasts there. They're ordinances like circumcision or stuff that you do for a firstborn offering or someone that opens the womb. And then there's a practice of all kinds of washings and, and food preparation. And those were all memorials of the Old Testament. And we're thinking, wow, that's pretty interesting. Just about every single day, every single month, every single week, there's some kind of memorial to point you towards the past. Well, what do we have in the New Testament? We'll get there, all right? But my question is, how can we defame one of these memorials? Well, they didn't have spray paint back then, right? But what kind of ways can we defame God's memorials back in the Old Testament? If I think one of my favorite memorials in the Old Testament is when Israel surrounded Jericho. And remember, they circled it every day for six days. And on the seventh day, they surrounded it seven times. So that was 13 trips around that city. Six, one days at a time and seven. And on the seventh day, what happened? The walls came tumbling down. Did you know not all the walls came tumbling down? There was one section of one wall that didn't come tumbling down. Why was it? Because that's where Rahab lived. Yes, she lived on the wall. And there it was, and these walls came down except for one section. And they all come tumbling down and... Joshua sent his soldiers, he got Rahab and all his children, all her children, all her father, siblings, got her whole family out of there. So there's Grandpa walking with his grandsons and his granddaughter again. Hey, Grandpa, what's that going on there? Look at that great big pile of rocks. What is, that's the city of Jericho. That's ugly, why don't they tear it down? God said, don't tear it down. Why is one section of that wall still standing and all the rest of them? Let me tell you a story. God did that for a reason. Amen? Let's read this section. Let's read Joshua 6, 20, and then I'm going to jump to 25 through 26. 
So the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets, and when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household and all that she had, and she dwelt in Israel even unto this day, because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Joshua adjured them at that time, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and build the city of Jericho. In other words, see this pile of city, this old rubbish? Don't touch that city. Don't bring up a cleanup crew. No bulldozers. Don't tear away any. Just leave that pile of trash right there. Won't that be a symbol of the power of God has over municipalities? Remember that. And don't knock. See, that part bothers If I saw a wall and the, everything was done except this one second, I, you know, I, I want to go push that last part down, make it all look the same, right? God says, nah, don't do that. Don't, don't mess with that. I want it. That's exactly how I want it. I, I want that to trigger some questions. I want that to cause some dialogue. If one were to have a three-legged lamb or leavened bread, okay, let's suppose it's Passover and we're making one, and I come to the, to the priest and I bring a priest and I bring my lamb and it's only got three legs. You know what that would be? That would be defaming the Passover. Why? Because God wants your best. He doesn't want your lame. He doesn't want the run of the litter. He doesn't want the sickling one. He doesn't want the one that can't reproduce or the one that has low uh, count so he can't reproduce. He says, don't give me your leftover. Give me the number one choice animal you got. See, that would be like the fame in the Passover. Okay? Got a scripture for you. Also, if you brought bread, but the bread had leaven in it, he doesn't want leavened bread. He wants unleavened bread. Uh, Number 6, 14 and 15. And he shall... Offer his offering unto the Lord, one he lamb of the first without blemish for a burnt offering. And one you lamb of the first year without blemish for a sin offering. And one ram without blemish for a peace offering. You get that without blemish type thing? He doesn't want the bad stock. Okay. Uh, let's see. And uh, blemish for peace offerings and a basket of unleavened bread. Cakes of fine flour with oil and wafers of unleavened bread anointed with oil and their meat offering and their drink offerings. If you wanted to defame one of God's memorials, the peace offering, any of those offerings, what you do is you bring a sad looking lamb or you bring some bread with some leaven. That's how you would defame it. It's kind of like going to Lincoln Memorial and get your spray can out and going and putting the letters on there. Okay, that's what you're doing. And then finally, the last one is there was a temple God built, God's house. And when ba- Babylon came, they looted the temple, they tore it apart, they, they burned it up, and they took all the officers, all the workers, and they, hired, they, they, they hauled them away and they made them slaves. This is in 2 Kings 25, 13 through 15. This is a way to defame another memorial of God, his house. And the pillars of brass that were in the house of the Lord and the bases and the brazen sea did the Chaldees break in pieces and they carried the brass to Babylon and the pots and the shovels and the snuffers and the spoons and all the vessels of brass which they ministered took they away and the fire pans and the bowls and such things that were of gold and in gold and of silver and in silver the captain of the guard took away. That's the way you defame some of the memorials of God. Okay, that's Old Testament. I know Old Testament's interesting. But let's see the New Testament because now we're talking about us. 
Is it possible we can defame the memorials of America? Yeah, we see it all the time. Is it possible people defamed the memorials of the Old Testament? Yes, we read about it all the time. Is it possible for you and I to defame the New Testament memorials? Yes, we can. And it doesn't take spray paint to do it. So, did God create New Testament memorials? The answer is yes, baptism is number one. Okay? When we go to the baptismal pool and we get in the water, you older folks, I want you to take a look at those little eyeballs. You know, we got a three-year-old, and, or no, a four-year-old, and a, a five-year-old, and a six-year-old, and a two-year-old, right? When we, you wash their eyes, right now they're looking down. They might have a coloring pan in there. They might be playing with their hands. They might be doing, picking at a button or something like that. When we go to that pool, guess what? Their attention is going to be riveted. This is something different. What's going on here? Oh, Grandpa went in the water. That man went in the water. Brother Patrick's letting the preacher put him in water with his clothes on. What's going on here? Do you understand? And my sons and their parents are going to say, let me tell you of a story. Daddy, why did? And then, boom, that's what, it's, that's what memorials are for. But us older folks, it's also a reminder of us. Yes. Okay. So, Romans 6. Here's just part of it. This is not the answers of the question that I introduced with. But notice what it says here in Romans 6. It's, it's really, baptism is a picture of two things. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also should we walk in the newness of life. So when we do an immersion, it's like a death, burial, and resurrection, just in, in likeness of Jesus Christ, who was crucified, who was laid in the ground, who rose up from the ground, and he rose from the dead. That's a resurrection. But it's also a symbol of something else. It's a symbol that you recognize the Lord has worked in your heart and that old man and the way I used to live, I'm burying that guy to say forever. Now, in actuality, can we do it? No, we fall all the time. But my goal is to bury that guy and there's a new person. When I come out of these waters, I'm going to try to walk as like close to Christ as I can. So that's the picture. Let's read it. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should, serve not, we should not serve sin. So I am going to try to walk in a way that glorifies him. And if we would come out of the waters of baptism and live like the devil, you know what that's like? Take the spray paint and spray painting Lincoln Memorial. Amen? It's like going over to that pile of rubble over at Jericho and pushing all the rocks out of the way and building a city on top of it. It's just defaming that. Well, this is a memorial. It's a living memorial. You're a living memorial. And when you sin like the devil... That's one reason why we don't sin like the devil. We're a memorial and we talk about Jesus' finished work. And I'm not going to spray paint his memorials. Okay. Number two, communion. 
Eating bread and drinking wine shows the Lord's death till he come. Let me read you a couple verses here. This is 1 Corinthians 11, 24 through 26. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is a broken for you. Do this in remembrance for me. What is in remembrance for me? Remembrance is a memorial. Memorial is remember. Same root word, right? This bread is a memorial. This wine is a memorial. After the same manner also he took of the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament of my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. There's another one, right? For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. That is a memorial. So we got two memorials. We got baptism and we got communion. Can we defile those? You bet we can. But I don't have to go speculation. We can look at people in scripture that did it. And that's what we have to be on guard for. And then finally... What other memorial do we have? The New Testament church. The New Testament church ought to be a memorial in every community. Assuming there's a New Testament church in every community. Okay? Each local church is a memorial in that one. Ephesians 2, 19 through 20. When I read scripture, I think the word church shows up, I can't remember now, it seems like it's 120 plus times. I can count on my fingers the number of times the word church is talking about the elect family of God. The rest of the time, it's talking about a local body. But the way most folks use it, it's talking about a local body about a handful of times. And the rest of the time, they think it's referring to the elect family of God. Just complete opposite. And, and I'm very careful about context in scripture the way it's talking about there's a lot of things that are attributed to all God's elect family and there is an elect family of God but the instruction is talking about to a local church so I don't want to miss out things that we should be doing as a local body but here it is this is you do you understand this is not the primitive Baptist this is not Christians at large this is not all the elect family of God that ever lived before this is y'all right now Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. Wait a second. This little bitty church has Jesus Christ as its cornerstone? You betcha. And the apostles are our foundation? You betcha. Us, this little body believer, we got that right here. That's us. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. So you know what God did? He's got this rock on this cornerstone. is Jesus Christ. He got this foundation. as the apostles. And then you know what he does? He takes these little stones and he takes a stone called Richard and he puts it right here. Right, And then next to that one, he takes Brian, who just shared a very mature thing. He said he was glad in his trials this week. You know how much maturity he takes that? Okay, he puts puts Brian right there, right? And on top of that, he might put a Emery. Okay, I'm not going to embarrass anybody else. But but you, you got the picture, right? And he's got some female rocks there too. You got it? 
That's you. And you're building up a habitation for the Lord. And the Holy Spirit dwells in you. We partake of him when we join this church. Do you understand? Okay. In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Okay, so there's three New Testament memorials. Baptism, communion, and the local church. They're memorials. Okay. Were New Testament memorials ever defamed? If so, how? Yes. Okay, baptism. Our post-baptism life proclaims, I'm a new man. Do you understand? Yes, when you came to the realization of Jesus Christ, that he's your savior, and you say, I'm going to dedicate my life. Yeah, that was special, and that was really, really important. But when you go to the waters of baptism, you're saying, that old man, you're making a public proclamation. The other one probably was in a closet. This was a proclamation to the world. I am following in the likeness of Jesus Christ, and I'm going into the waters proclaiming like his death, burial, and resurrection. He's my savior, and I'm going to bury that old man, and when I come out, I'm going to do my best to follow him. You got it? That's, what, that's, that's a memorial. And I love when our kids get to see that. One of the reasons why we don't read federal headship is in Romans 5 and say, I can live like the devil and it won't matter. Is One of the reasons is because there was an old man that lived that way and I buried that guy. That's a pretty good reason not to live like the devil. I buried that guy. Got it? That's one reason. Let's read the scripture. Romans 6, 1 through 3. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. In other words, that's ridiculous. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into the dead? I'm not going to live like the devil because that old man, he did that and I'm buried that guy. Okay, number two. Number two, we do not sin because we do not serve a dead man. What do you mean you serve a dead man? Before my conversion, I just lived after flesh. And I was a servant to that flesh. I'm not going to serve that guy anymore. I'm going to serve the God of heaven that's all righteousness. When we live like the devil, we're serving the flesh. I'm not going to serve anymore. I'm going to serve the Lord. Let's read the scripture. Romans 6, 14 through 15. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but ye are under grace. What then? Shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. No. Okay, so the first thing is, is I bury that old man, and I'm not going to serve that old man. And here's the fourth one. The fourth one, you know that old man, the way he used to live? That makes me ashamed. I don't live like the devil because I'm ashamed of that old life. So why would I live it on this side? Right? That's three good reasons why we don't sin like the devil. Right? Romans 6, 21 and 22. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being free from sin and become servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end of everlasting life. We do it to say, thank you, Lord. That old man, 
He's buried. That old man, I'm not serving him anymore. That old man, that was a shame. I'm not going down that road again. Okay. Communion. The church ordinances proclaim, I live a life of submission. That's what communion is. Let's go over there. 1 Corinthians 11. Our life reflects a relationship with Jesus, the relationship Jesus has with his bride. Let's look at this. Okay. In 1 Corinthians 11, 3 through 8, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 11, 3, and then I'm going to jump to 8 through 9. Here was a local church, and at the end of this chapter, there's a communion service. We already read part of that communion service. And they were defaming the communion service. How were they defaming the communion service? They were fighting inside the church. They were taking communion, but they were fighting inside the church. You know what that is? Lincoln Monument, spray paint in the hand. Because this church, the communion service is a memorial, and when you're fighting with one another, it's like spray painting Lincoln. Okay? Got it? Let's look at this church. Paul fussed at these people. There was a lack of submission there. The submission was all over. Women weren't submitting to husbands. Men weren't submitting to pastors. They weren't submitting to each other. They weren't submitting to God. The church wasn't submitting to Christ. This church was a mess. Spray paint all over God's memorial. Okay? But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. This is part of the problem. Okay? They were not of one accord. Let me read 1 Corinthians eleven sixteen through 19. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Now in this, that I declare unto you, I praise you not that ye come together, not for the better, but for the worst. For first of all, when ye come together in church, I hear there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be manifest among you. So they came together for this communion service and they were all mad at each other. And you know what? God said, you're spray painting the Lincoln Monument Memorial. You know what you're doing? You're bringing a three-legged lamb to the offering. You're bringing leavened bread to the the Passover meal. Y'all, that's not the way it works. Okay? And then one more. The healthy church. We're still in 1 Corinthians. Now, if you would go on past this communion service in 1 Corinthians 11 and you'd read chapter 12, that's what a good church operates. 13 is what I call the prescription. It's the medicine. That's the charity chapter. 14 is the mission and how you get it done. 15 is the cure, the resurrection. Got it? So it's possible that a communion service can be defamed. All right, let's go one more. The local church. One of the ways we can defame Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the gospel is we can come to church and we can preach a different Jesus, a different Holy Spirit, and a different gospel. No, that would never happen here. Well, it happened in Corinth, it happened in Galatia, it happened in other places, right? Ephesus. Okay, 2 Corinthians 11.4. 1 
For he, if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Here's a church, Corinth, constituted by Paul. He wrote 1 Corinthians. He wrote 2 Corinthians. A time after that, he fussed at him with 1 Corinthians. He did a follow-up letter that they actually came a long way. But in this, he's saying, be careful. Because it's possible someone will get up in this pulpit and preach another Jesus, another Holy Spirit, or another gospel, and that's like spray painting my monument, the local church. You gotta have your nose in the book. Sometimes we read others. They can say things clearer than we can say on our own. That's okay to quote those, but they are not our source of authority. God's word is our source of authority. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. Notice the one here. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God of all, who is above all and in through you all and in all. Got that one, 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 one? And as soon as you go two, you've just defamed the church. Another verse, First Timothy 2, 5. For there is one God and one mediator, mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And that's the order I came out of. I was, I don't bash my history, but when I found out I could pray directly to Jesus and I didn't have to go through all those other people, what a relief that was. There's no way you can ever talk me into going back to that system. Why would I go through an intermediate when I go right to the head man? Amen? I get to pray to Jesus. and He's going to go to God for me. Okay? And then finally, Galatians 1, 6, and 7. Oh, Paul was so upset at this church. He's, he says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there are some that would trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. I used this before. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 14, that Christ has perfected you, okay? Do you realize if you're perfect and you do anything to something that's perfect, what happens? It becomes imperfect, right? If I drew a perfect circle and I moved one little part of it, guess what? I just made it imperfect. Got it? So you have something that's perfect. I did that. Okay, so I told you what I was going to tell you. I told it to you. Now it's time for me to tell you what I told you. As a nation, we have monuments. All sorts of forms and days and buildings and rocks and chiseled in South Dakota and all over the place. Coins and just all these flags, all these things to remind us of things. Why do we have 50 stars? Why do we have 13 stripes? All pointing us back to something important. Amen? They remind us of the blessing we have being in this country to worship freely. And that's a good thing. And I want my kids to know that history. I want them to be reminded of that history. Okay, but that's just our country. That's nothing compared to the Old Testament. 
In the Old Testament, we have a bunch of memorials too. But you know something? And, and you'd be amazed when you go through the book of Joshua and you read of how many piles of rocks are scattered throughout the promised land. But you know something? We've got something better than a pile of rocks. Praise the Lord for the pile of rocks. We've got something better than the pile of rocks. We have some observances. One is communion. We have something called baptism. And we all have something, the local church. And you know what? This building is not the local church. We are the local church. This is a place that just keeps the rain and the sun off of us and the cold out. Amen? We are the local body. And the way we act is. So, I pray that this has actually kind of been helpful in terms of who we are, but also what we're going to observe. And so, Patrick, there's no pressure on you, okay? But we've all made the same commitment in one way or another. I am going to do my best to follow Christ. Now, has any of us achieved that? No, but hopefully I'm better today than I was yesterday, and hopefully I'm better tomorrow than I am today. We got that. We got that passage, 1 John 1, 9, when we sin, we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all righteousness. We, we go forward with that. That's, that's a pretty good one too. <clears throat> but that's why we don't go out and sin like the devil. Jesus finished the work, and we want to say thank you. And we don't sin the devil. We buried that guy. I'm ashamed of that guy. I'm not going to serve that guy anymore. I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. What I'd like to do is um, have y'all, Brother Richard, can you lead a song here? And then um, a short one and then go out there and get situated. And Brother Patrick and I will get ready and we'll meet you outside. And then we'll conclude the service outside.